Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, positively different radio in the morning. You are with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? So I woke up this morning, late, might I add, and I was like, oh man, I'm really going to rush to work, you know, threw some clothes on, ran downstairs, got in my car, turned the key, and my battery was dead. And nothing happened. <laughs> and nothing happened. So I had to uh, wake up my dad's fiance. And uh, oh dear, uh, my my soon to be stepmom had to wake her up and be like, "Hey Tina, please help me! I'm gonna go! I'm gonna I'm gonna be on radio! We get live!" And uh, she's she's great. She just parked her car beside mine, and because I have a manual, so I can jumpstart it. But I was like in the carport. No, yes, room. you can't do that if you're in the carport. Yeah, so it was good. That my car just jumped straight away, and it's like it's been a trend. It happened yesterday. But it like just turned over, and then today it just didn't turn over. So it just went, yeah, and then just, and that was it, and it just died. So you know what that means? I need to buy a new, new battery. battery, which I don't know. No, if I'm that means you for. just need to park on a hill. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Who needs no, a new battery? Dude, just park on a hill. My my car is like a boxer engine. They're really hard to jump start. They like oh, really? take ages to get going. Really, this has been my experience with it anyway. Okay, Anyways, wow, yeah, yeah, because most cars will. Um, We'll, uh, you know, jump start. I mean, not jump start, but um, roll start pretty, pretty easily. Pretty easy, easily, easier with a roll start than a starter motor. Yeah, but no, my car's real, like, doesn't, it's not about you it. You need a so. long hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, just, just park, like, you know, on a long hill, maybe, you know, half a k away. You get your morning exercise, walk up there, get your car. You know what? I'll just sleep in the studio. You'll, 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 never have to, you'll never have to buy a battery again. You can have the grandfather of all batteries and just keep on driving. I'll just sell my car and buy a bike. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, well, I usually do the positively different news, and today's news is positive, but then it's a bit like wee, 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 um... What's the word? Uh, vaccine, vaccine, passport, you know, intense. Basically, mm. Canada is opening its borders to fully vaccinated, vaccinated Americans mm. in early August. Okay. So, you know, in a, in a week or so, mm. uh, two weeks. And to all international vaccinated people by September 9th. Oh, that's interesting. With no quarantine conditions. So if my wife, producer Shell, was to get a vaccine, she could travel to Canada in September where her already vaccinated father could come and visit her. Yep. That's With interesting. No quarantine. The only thought I'm having is, what about when you come back to Australia? Yeah, well, that's because, the problem, yeah. Because, okay, <laughs> this is what makes me sad, right? So I, I decided... There's already to- no quarantine if you go to America anyway. Yeah, pretty much. I, I but never, never has been. Oh, there never has been yet because they're just like we've got COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're cut, it doesn't matter. If you come here with COVID or not with COVID, it doesn't matter. You're gonna get COVID. But uh, obviously, you know, numbers diminishing, things are changing. The interesting thing, like with Canada, I decided to do the research, and they've had two kind of peaks of COVID. One, both of them being this year, neither of them being last year. Actually, uh, they kind of really bumbled around. They hit a maximum last year in April uh, of 1,900 cases per day but then this year you know they hit in january 
9,000 cases per day, yep. then had it's like a, had a dip and then a second wave of 8,000 cases per day. But now they've had, a, since since April, they've had a big, just a sheer drop off of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're averaging around 300, 270, something like that each day. They have a, yeah, a weekly average this week of 355 cases per day. And essentially they've deemed that, you know, obviously they've got a, sizable population compared to Australia. And they've deemed that as, oh, okay, you know, 400 cases per day. Like, yeah, we're good to go. If you're vaccinated, you can come into the country. We have um, enough uh, ICU beds. Yeah, we're, you know, and this just breaks my heart, actually. Like, not mm, for Canadians, mm, but for Australians. Mm. Because Australia, I, I don't know how many cases we're averaging at the moment. I think it's what, like... 10 a day, 20 a day, something like that? Nah, it's more than that. It's more up and around the 100 mark, I think. I don't know. Look, look, look the figures any time recently. The point is, is... what it is. The point is, is that they cancelled the Formula 1 and the MotoGP. Oh, <laughs> Lawson's heart <laughs> is broken. Because, because they were like, even if you're vaccinated, you have to quarantine for 14 days in Australia. We have this, this thing called Philip Island. Yeah, I know. It's an island. It's an island. You just, just put just, everyone just, in there. Just pull up the drawbridge, send everybody there. Problem solved. But the point is, is that they're making the point too. If you're vaccinated, you can come in. Which is like, it's clear to me that they've gone with the philosophy that, oh, the vaccine is supposed to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. You won't have a COVID problem if you're vaccinated, which it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know... I'm like, why Why has Australia all of a sudden become the health conspiracy theorists in, like, you know, because there's a bunch of people who are like, oh, the vaccine's terrible, don't get the vaccine. There are a bunch of people who are like, get the vaccine, da da And it's like, okay, if the state of Australia and, and each state within Australia is making this vaccine like a thing and saying, oh, you should get it, advising people to get it, get it, you know, sponsoring people to get it and whatnot, and then saying, oh, but we won't lift any restriction if you get the vaccine. Well, then what's even the point? Like, I'm I'm really... Just makes me uh, okay. Okay, my, my, he just saw. My he just saw. He just saw that MotoGP got cancelled. My my conclusion is this not. Is this, what's the point of getting the vaccine? My conclusion is like, why are we handling it this way? I'm like, it's, oh. a, it's, a, it's, it's a valid question. I think a lot of yeah. people are asking that question at the moment, and I, you know, I don't know all of the answers. I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to know all of the answers yeah. on this one. Yeah. Uh, but it is what it is, and. Mm. We, we we are living with what we are living with, and who knows yeah. when it's going to change. <sighs> yeah, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, 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 one day, venting, one day, some ranting mo- over. The, the MotoGP will. will come back. Okay. Um, all right. So, look, stem cell-based uh, research has basically found... Okay, this is another controversial topic. I'm, but I'm just, I'm just looking for is, the positive in the last is, one. I haven't found it yet. But anyway, whatever. Let's move on. Well, the positive is that we can travel to Canada, and it's going to be really fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could already... Yeah. Well, anyway, if we get a vaccine, um, okay. But look, this is really, really cool stem cell, and this is cool because it's non-controversial stem cell research. I know that we've been talking about, you know, we we mentioned you know abortion and whatnot fairly regularly on the show, and abortion is one of the biggest contributor of stem cells. Whereas this stem cell research uh, has been done using uh, pieces of adult human tissue and skin. And basically, they are trialing now uh, under the FDA a cure for type 1 diabetes. 
Oh, nice. So uh, we this is diabetes. I think we've mentioned it on a show like a few times. Talked about, well, even last week we talked about how, oh, they're making life easier for people with diabetes. You no longer have to, you know, prick your finger. You can just put something in your mouth. It takes a saliva sample and tells you whether your blood sugar is high or low enough. Uh, but now this one here is basically like they're trying to cure diabetes through stem cell research. Yeah, and that's fantastic, particularly for type 1. I mean, type 2 is a lifestyle disease, and so that's a choice. Yeah. Whereas with type 1, that's, you know, something that you're born with. It's a deformity. Disease, yeah. It's a deformity that you are born with, and if we can cure that, then that would be a fantastic thing. That would be really, really, you know, that's amazing. I think another perspective, like, why we should cure it is it, like, firstly, it will dr- drastically and dramatically improve improve the quality of life yes. of those who get cured from it. But secondarily, like it costs, um, just in the US, it costs around $85,000 per the patient's lifetime worth of treatment. And so like you're looking at like, especially look at how many people have diabetes. This is billions of dollars, like literally billions of dollars that it costs the state to solve. So if we can get this out of the way, like, oh man, imagine if we It's one of the top three killers. Diabetes is one of the top three killers. And if it works for type one, I'm wondering whether it would work for type two. Uh, I kind of question that because the the cure for type two, of course, is lifestyle change. We already have that and we should already be doing that. Mm. Um, But yeah, this would be just amazing for the world. But yeah, the salt, the salt, Institute of Biological Studies. They're really um, pioneering this and hopefully in the future, after we see the human trials go forward, um, we see something come on the market that will alleviate uh, this problem from people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Stuff. Well, I did say that I was going to talk about the uh, United Church of God. I'm going to begin by talking about uh, Mackenzie Morgan, who is a worship leader in the United States for the Refined Church in Las Casas, Tennessee. Um, very prominent. Las Re- Casas? Re- yeah, there. <laughs> um, I'm sure I butchered that. But, uh, yeah, obviously a very uh, prominent worship leader over there. She's young. She's 24 years old, and she just put out a Facebook post that has been shared more than 10,000 times. This thing has gone absolutely viral. Okay. And this is a Facebook post outing Elevation Church, Bethel Church, and Hillsong because of their music and outing them for kind of lame doctrines in their music, but more than that, outing outing them for the heretical doctrines they've been teaching. Okay. So this is interesting because she's like she's part of that scene. She's part of the music scene. She's part of the worship scene. She's part of one of these you know worship based churches. Mm. And she's like, you know what? We've been using these guys' songs forever. You know, we've uh, we, we we sing them all the time, but we don't actually stop and think about you know what's actually taking place uh, and what they're actually teaching. And mm. as a result of that, people are being directed to these churches through their music and they're teaching false doctrines. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like, and so she's out of the uh, Elevation Church for teaching modalism. Mm. So modalism is the heresy that basically uh, God is one being who, at different times, turns up in different forms. Which is it's just Greek philosophy. Yes, that's that's yep Greek paganism right there. Mm. Uh, she's out of the Bethel Church, and this is this is something that uh, Lawson and I were <laughs> for were, being a cult. <laughs> yeah, for being a cult for, for teaching. <laughs> Just rank paganism for grave soaking. Yeah, dude. Oh, so, 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 guys, so some of you have probably never heard of grave soaking before. Praise the Lord. 
Yes. <laughs> you don't need to know about grave soaking. This is not just a cult. This is not just uh, paganism. This is rank spiritualism. Yeah. Okay, so basically what grave soaking is... Yes. ...is they go to a cemetery... Yes. ...and go to a grave site of someone who they know was spiritual. You they know? think was spiritual. They think was spiritual. Like someone who was filled with the Spirit. This is yes. their idea. That this person was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they sit over their grave. No, they lie on the grave. They lie on the grave. Yeah, you've got to lie, lie down, you know, spread eagle on the grave. Spread eagle on the grave, and you pray and whatnot to... And you soak up the spirit that they had. Yes. Isn't that just wild? That's just This the is like worst a massive mainstream, apparently, church in the United States, mm. and this is where they have descended to? Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible talks about a coming together of, you know, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet at the end of time. Mm. This is this is the false prophet right here. This is this is spiritualism uniting with you know, this is this is the this is the dragon mm. spiritualism uniting with the false prophet Protestantism. Of course, like Stephen Furtick, who was the pastor of Elevation Church, yes. who we talked about earlier, like he and, and this is what we've seen is a big shift away from these churches amongst Christianity in in the United States because these churches came out of the wake of the church planting boom of the 2000s. Yes. Where you had the big, you know, non-denominational churches and mega churches and everything that we see. We've kind of we've kind of caught up to that a bit later and we're seeing that boom still in swing in Australia. Whereas still riding that wave. People in in the United States, well, there are still people planting Post churches. They're, they're like, they look at this and they just see, this is just heresy. Like they sit because in the two thousands there was a number of churches that came up that were that were like good, like in terms of teaching the truth and da da da. Absolutely. But, but then there were a bunch of people who were like, okay, let's start a music ministry and let's teach modalism and. Oh, it's, it's, it's the most wild thing that we can. You know what? It, you know what it, I compare it to? Mm. YouTube, YouTube culture. You know how to make yourself famous, or you know how during that same era mm. you would make yourself famous on YouTube mm. by just doing the most wild. Yeah, getting the crazy, most attention. Yeah. attention-seeking, ridiculous things like, let's take the front wheels off this car and put it on jacks and drive it with the brakes on and see how long it takes for the discs to melt. Yeah. You know, it's just like, <laughs> and people used to watch that. That was kind of a fad that went through YouTube for about 10 years because it was just wild and it was crazy mm. and it was out there and that's how you got likes and that's how you got views. And we built churches like that. No, and we didn't. I had nothing to do with it. I did. <laughs> Neither did I. But, but I, Christians built churches like that. Yeah. Well, I think it was like. It's it was, like, yeah, let's go and do grave soaking. Because it, the reality is you can get a bit of a base going and then from there if you double down in like wacky and wild stuff firstly you attract attention which could bring people but you also attracted negative attention uh which then for those who are already in it it deepens their conviction that oh this is my church and everyone's a hater and i'm gonna stand up for this church and then and they're still doing it today like Again, yeah, Stephen Furtick, who I mentioned earlier, like he is, he teaches antinomianism, which is essentially his big thing. He he really like this gospel sermon that went massively viral. It's like whatever is that God broke the law to save us, which is just we've talked a thousand and one wow. times on radio how that's just so incorrect. Jesus needed to die because of the law of God. That's right. And uh, and he saved and and this idea is completely antithetical to the understanding of grace. Of course it is, and it's just ridiculous. But this is the thing: it's like let's create enough, you know, bad attention that 
everyone who's in stays in. Everyone who's on the outside is like, oh, interesting. And then there's more people on the outside who hate us. But ultimately, they're using our songs. They're getting money. And this chick is obviously decided. She's, she's just like, it's done. enough's enough. Yeah. Time to call it out. It's been shared 10,000 times. Mm. And uh, hopefully it will continue to be shared. My question is, you know, with this grave soaking, what happens if you go and lie on, uh, say, C.S. Lewis's grave, right? Uh-huh. Which, which this is the leaders of this church have been doing. They're going, been going to C.S. Lewis's ah. grave and, 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 and soaking up, you know, his spirit. But what if C.S. Lewis was a Ravi Zacharias, but we never found out? Yeah. What, what if you. Uh, well, How do then, you know? How do you know okay. that a person's righteous? Are you judge? Are you God? Can you read a so, person's heart? And what kind of a spirit are you soaking up if this person was, you know, a follower of Satan? My idea there, in, and this is like any kind of. You know, because I, I see these churches as like a, a kind of vanguard society where you've got everyone at the bottom doing kind of wild things and the leaders kind of participating, but then ultimately they're just it, it, taking advantage of people. And say, like, if if someone goes, if one of the leaders went and soaked from a grave, right? Yeah. And then they ended up doing Benny something. Benny Johnson from uh, Bethel Church was, was, was grave soaking on C.S. Lewis's grave. Yeah. Ter- say, say in five years' time or whatever, it turns out Benny Johnson has done some terrible thing. It'll be like, oh, soaked the wrong grave, guys. Sorry, got the wrong spirit. It's not my fault. It's the spirit's fault that I soaked. Like, you know, please forgive me and move on. Like, you've even got, like, a plausible deniability, like, scapegoat here in grave soaking. How wild is that? I, I... Okay, so we're going to talk about the United Church. Of, we're going to talk about the United Church of God tomorrow <laughs> yes. and their controversial stand on Israel and Palestine. Yeah, we did get distracted on this one, but this was a news story that just sort of broke, and I thought, well, we need to talk about what about while it's fresh. Mm. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Fantastic. Well, joining us on the phone this morning, uh, as usual at this time of the morning, um, is David Haupt to talk about uh, emotional health. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. Great to be back. Always look forward to Wednesday mornings. Yeah, we do too. Now, David, we started last week a little bit of a series, I guess, dealing with self-harm, and we talked about some eating disorders last week, uh, bulimia, anorexia, um, those kinds of issues. Uh, this morning we're going to continue that theme of self-harm but move to a different area. What are we talking about today? Our focus this morning is on something that a lot of young people are struggling with and that is cutting. And um, very few parents realize that cutting actually can become addictive as well. Now, uh, it, go ahead. You go. I was going to say, this is something that seems kind of strange to me because I've never experienced it. And so when you've never experienced something like this and you've never experienced an urge towards it, it just seems, you know, and and, and never dealt with that particular illness. I mean, we all deal with our own uh, issues in one form or another, but I don't like pain and I don't like blood and I particularly don't like my own blood What's the appeal here and what, what's actually going on? Well, yeah, especially for parents, it is something strange, very difficult for parents to understand this. But for young people, especially after the influence of TV programs that have brought us to the fore, to the mindset of young people, it's become very appealing for young people. 
where um, they have an inability to deal with emotional pain. In other words, they don't have the words, they don't have the capacity. And uh, therefore, uh, since they can't deal and control that emotional pain, they often turn to a physical pain that they can control. So, in other words, cutting helps to control the emotional pain. Uh, it, it puts the, the control mechanism in their own hands. But uh, as I said, you know, it is, it's rich prominence, especially after TV shows and, and programs that are brought it to the fore. And we see often kids aged 9 to 14, um, you know, engage with us. You know, just imagine the age of nine, a, a kid uh, starting to cut themselves, do self-harm. The intent here is not to commit suicide, although sometimes it looks like a suicidal attempt because the cutting often takes place on the arms or the, the legs and so forth, the wrist, but, um, and, and, and on the stomach as well. But in reality, it is a, a way of trying to control the emotional pain. David, you mentioned the role that media is playing in this, you know, TV, TV shows, those kinds of issues. Is this simply bringing this, you know, bringing this practice out into the light or has it played a role in actually creating a rise in incidents of cutting? Sadly, uh, while... I believe its intent was to bring it to the fore so that, you know, uh, we can deal with it. It has actually brought it to a rise. So uh, we see that young people today are uh, followers of certain groups and things that they see on the TV very quickly uh, start to duplicate in, uh, in amongst our young people. Uh, we also see the impact of peer pressure. And especially, you'll see that cutting is part of a uh, phenomena called the Gothic group that you know often dresses up in black and so forth. Uh, a lot of those young people would also do cutting. So there's uh, multiple areas that actually have sparked this, and just young people, innocent young people, just trying to fit in, trying to feel accepted. Young people just that are super sensitive, that are often dealing with uh, mental health issues like eating disorders that we spoke about last week, uh, have experienced sexual, physical, or verbal abuse, um, or battling with emotional issues like depression, anxiety, and, and borderline personality and bipolar are all at greater risk. But media plays a huge role. So I just want to mention at this particular point that if this is something that you are struggling with or something that, you know, you have these kinds of thoughts, then please talk to somebody. Please talk to us here. Give us a call, 0491064669, and we can put you in touch with people that can help you. Um, or give the Lifeline number a call, you know, 131114 is their number. Um because you know this is a this is a serious issue that we are addressing this morning. David, I just want to ask the question: in the media and in the reports that I hear, and even anecdotally with just you know testimonies that I hear and so forth that people share, it seems to have a much higher incidence amongst teen girls. Is that true, or is that just a stereotype? 
No, that, that is true. We do find that uh, young men, especially boys, uh, do do it as well, but it is far higher amongst the uh, the female group. It's interesting that it is normally the the young girls that are more able to articulate than boys, but uh, still it is uh, found more amongst uh, young women. And I guess a part of the struggle that young women have today, girls as they grow up, is the uh, the pressure that media places upon them about the body image and uh, the emotional scarring that can take place through bullying and so forth. Uh, we see that the phenomena of, of cutting, the practice of cutting, is especially uh, high amongst people that are highly sensitive, that has experienced emotional rejection or broken relationship, and have an inability to deal with a, a deep grief, cannot talk about it, and therefore uh, would rather turn to wanting to, to control that physical pain which they can control. Um, as, as you've just mentioned and invited people to call in, the the challenges here for parents on how they're going to deal with, with their, their kids, uh, the shocked response of parents often would close that child down. Instead, if a parent would rather sit down with them and ask them this question, tell me the story of that cut. And once they've listened carefully to what that child has been sharing, you move on to the next cut tell me that one story and eventually supports them towards recovery. Mm, mm, that's so important right there. Do parents generally know when their children are cutting or do children you know, hide this from parents? Because of cutting uh, being done primarily in secret um, and kids start to wear longer sleeve uh, dresses or you know, cover up their cuts, uh, it often goes unnoticed for sometimes for years. Um, it often would come out when, uh, you know, cutting went too deep and the child needs uh, medical intervention or when they eventually would share it with some of their peers that one of those kids would be brave enough to stand up and say, hey, I can't deal with this pressure anymore uh, and I need to speak out. And uh, in that way, you know, parents are alerted to the fact that a child is cutting in secret. But predominantly, it happens uh, in secret. Mm, mm, very concerning. And, 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 and therefore, uh, Lyle, the emotional struggle that a young person is really trying to deal with uh, goes unnoticed, uncared for, and uh, it, it often only comes out at a point where you know, it has erupted into a major emotional struggle for that individual. You mentioned that body image is part of this whole scenario, and we can understand that, I think, much more easily with, say, anorexia or bulimia, where, you know, the media the media presents, you know, the ideal body image as being slim, and so they feel like they need to be slim, and every time they look in the mirror, they just, you know, see, they see that, you know, well, they, they, they see weight where there is none. With this particular one, though, with cutting, if they're dealing with a body image issue, then how does creating scars on the body correlate with that with that, with that particular issue? 
it provides acceptance with certain other young people uh, around them. In other words, by cutting, uh, they are assimilated into a group of young people that often battle with similar uh, body image problems, similar emotional issues, and therefore by uh, scarring and, and you know deforming their own bodies in that way, they actually uh, are accepted into a group with similar struggles. Uh, and very interesting that it doesn't resolve the issue. It actually it purely means that uh, they are part of a clan, part of a group that has similar problems. Uh, and this is where the cult eventually starts on. In other words, they go deeper and deeper into this uh, regressive um, emotional struggle that, that they are dealing with. Uh, but there's people around them that accept them, and often they do it in groups together. And this is where peer pressure, the need for acceptance, the need to belong is so important for young people, but where it, it becomes so scary. So when young people are battling not just with body image, but also with emotional issues at home, and there's no environment where, no platform by which they can raise it and talk through it, they will turn to other young people that will uh, give them some level of acceptance, but there's a condition to, to that, and that is that they've got to prove themselves. This is a way of proving in order to gain acceptance. David, is there a relationship between cutting and excessive piercing, uh, excessive tattoos, that kind of scene? Is there a connection between the two, or is that a different culture altogether? It is, to one degree, it's a different culture, but you see uh, that people with heavy piercing and tattooing often battle with also emotional issues. Now, last week we spoke about eating disorders, and a issue that came to the fore was the need for acceptance. Um, right here with cutting, we see the same. We see exactly the same with tattooing as well as with uh, heavy piercing that people have a deep desire to fit in, in other words, to belong. And I would want to take it back to our early childhood years, a child that grows up with unconditional affection, unconditional acceptance, unconditional sense of belonging in a home, actually don't have a need to go out and prove themselves in order to gain acceptance. They know who they are, they know their identity, they know their worth and their value. But those kids that grow up in a conditional environment where there's conditional affection, conditional acceptance and a sense of belonging, they are at greater risk to fall into these categories. Yes, David, it's a very serious subject that uh, we've been talking about this morning. You just, just very briefly, you mentioned children as young as nine being involved in this. Um, is at what age do do at-risk children typically begin um, this kind of practice? It, yeah, it, it, it is scary to, to think about that young age. It often goes through till in their 30s. I've worked with people in their 30s uh, that were cutting, and for parents, a telltale sign is when kids, uh, you know, just keep on covering up their bodies. They uh, Summer comes, but they still want to wear clothing that has long sleeves. And uh, in my work, 
uh, as a working cabinet in the drug field, I often had clients that uh, would come in the, in the heat of summer and I would ask them to just roll up their sleeves. Uh, you know, after you build a relationship and you see those white old scars with fresh new ones, just one on top of the other. Mm. And you realize that you're actually dealing with someone with emotional pain. Mm. That's such a tragedy, David. Thank you for sharing it with us this morning. And uh, we pray for everybody who suffers with this kind of emotional pain today. Um, and, of course, just mm. a reminder, 0491 or one three one 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 four to call Lifeline. Other numbers to call uh, if uh, this is something you're really struggling with this morning. We need to move on. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.